Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be, as we hurtle through the galaxy on this, the third rock from the sun, that you are able to think about what in your life has been a catalytic converter (laughs) for you. (laughs) What got your motor running? (laughs) But I don't mean in a sexual way because, you know, we all know what does that for ourselves, right? (laughs) More or less, I think we all know that by now. But... The words catalytic converter, this phrase came up for me a few days ago. And I thought, you know, that is something, um, obviously something in a car, but it seems like we have this too in our lives. And I saw the word catalytic and I, it made me think of the word catalyst, you know, and a converter is something that converts one thing to something else, right? I think, and I'm not sure because I'm not totally a car person, that a catalytic, catalytic converter actually um, probably con- converts uh, fuel into a way for the car to go, <laughs> a way for the engine to, you know, move forward, move the whole vehicle forward. But I don't even know. So maybe you're <laughs> having a lot more knowledge about cars. <clears throat> but I thought about this um, the idea behind it, like, you know, what struck me about it and how I could convert it (laughs) to a spiritual discussion. So catalyst, the first time I ever heard the word catalyst is when I was in, um, shop class, all the girls went to home ec or something. I don't know. I went to shop class. It seemed a hell of a lot more interesting to me. And in shop class, I made a screwdriver out of metal and I made a toolbox to put the screwdriver in, which I thought was a pretty cool project. And I made a wooden shelf, and which I also thought was really cool because I cut it with a jigsaw and I sanded it down and I, and I did everything. I was like, oh my God, I was in eighth grade. I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. I I used a jigsaw and a bandsaw. I mean, like the heavy duty, massive equipment, right? I was like, oh my God, this is so scary. (laughs) I was so scared, but I was so happy because it was pretty cool. But then we did a project, which is weird because I barely remember it, but I do remember the word catalyst. 
And it struck me in a way that I will never forget it. Like when the teacher was explaining it, he said, okay, so you put the plastic, you know, in the mold and it's going to stay the way it is until you bring the catalyst along and you put the catalyst in and it's going to heat things up and it's going to get so hot that if you touch it, it can burn your finger. So you have to stir it up really fast and then let it be and allow the catalyst to change the plastic into the correct form that you need it to be. And I made a uh, glow-in-the-dark coin purse, <laughs> which was so freaking cool. I mean, when you're in eighth grade, that is one of the coolest things because you can put your money in it, and every time you pull it out of your purse or or whatever, backpack, what have you, you're like, damn, I made this. This is so freaking cool. I freaking made this, you know? And I don't even know. I think I might have given it to my dad, honestly. I think I thought, well, you know. I gave him my toolbox and he gave it back to me because he's like, this is something that you should keep. It's really too special, which kind of means it really wasn't anything that would hold his tools, right? Because <laughs> it wasn't big enough or something, right? I mean, in reality world, it's probably, but it was, he said it in a very sweet and loving way that made me feel special. But he was really shocked. He's like, wow, you made all this stuff. This is so cool. I'm like, yeah, you know, that means I could use your equipment now, right? <laughs> Wrong. But anyway, but the idea of the, of the catalyst, I thought, oh, yeah. You know, and we apply this spiritually. Okay, so the universe, you know, you're going along and everything's fine and you are the way you are. You're unchanging. And then the universe sends your way a catalyst and it heats up your life for a little bit. And then you change into the form that the universe needed you to be. And it's like such a cool system. You know, when you're not emotionally involved with it directly and you can look at it from a higher vantage point, it's pretty damn cool. Now, sometimes your catalyst is going to be um, a circumstance or event. Like yesterday, I read the letter my friend wrote to me about uh, the fire. I mean, that changed an entire, not even just town or county, but several cities were on fire from that fire. Like that changed a whole region full of people. It was something outside of them that put them in a, a mode where they, they learned uh, to be humble. Like my friend Jeremy told me, he said, you know, we, we barely made it out of that fire. I'm not okay. I'm, I'm very far from okay. You know, it's when I told, when I talked to him a couple years ago after this happened, he said, you know, I was so scared for the kids, for my girlfriend, like, you know, he was just like terrified. And he said, you know, um, when we got out of there, we didn't pack, we'd have time. Like we would have died. Like, like if they had spent the time to grab the photographs and the computers and the clothing, they would have died. It, I mean, that fire ripped through that town so fast. No one had any time to do anything of, um, to keep anything of value. They, they all lost everything except their, you know, most of the people got out of there and did not lose their lives. Thank God. But 
when they, um, got to the other end of it, they were like, holy shit, we like literally have nothing. And Jeremy's like, I'm wearing clothes that like were donated to us. And he said, you know how humbling that is as a grown man? And he has made his way in the world. Like he came from, you know, a really rough uh, childhood, which I'm not going to go into because it's his personal life. But, you know, he came from a rough childhood like most of us have. And um, he didn't have rich parents to hand everything to them on a silver platter. You know, he was just like, he had to make his own way in the world. And he had uh, several disadvantages that he overcame, obstacles he overcame. But, and he was always a humble person, but after the fire, the way that he spoke to me, he was like, I, I, I am so humbled. He said it, it, it legit made me cry when these strangers gave me clothes and they gave us stuff and they gave clothes to the kids and they, they helped us, you know, that the, the people would shelter us and feed us and give us clothes. And, and we, who are we to them? You know, like we're nobodies to them we, they don't know us. They didn't have to do any of that, you know? So for him, this was his catalyst to convert him to a more humble person, you know, and that's, and that's, it it did that for a lot of the people in the fire, but I think that other people went through different things, you know, like, um, other people found out that they had the strength to rebuild and they wanted to rebuild and other people found that they had the strength to move, you know, as their catalyst to move or the catalyst to rebuild and, and stay and reaffirm that they love that town. You know, and so the fire is an outside thing that is a, it's a, it's a, like a, I don't know the way I'm saying it might not be correct, but for me, it's like a spiritual catalytic or catalyst converter, right? It's a catalyst that converts them into something that, um, they might not have gotten like a place, the only, when you are converted to a place which, or you arrive at a place at which you never would have arrived at on your own. So look back over your life and see all the things, all the places, the circumstances, the people. Sometimes someone will convert your life in a way that just, um, because they're so fucking chaotic, you know, um, my son and I were living in that old apartment. And when the pandemic hit my son, like immediately, he just, he went out and got duct tape. And he got this thing and looked like an astronaut suit. Like, where the hell do you even get these things? And he, and he taped all the windows. I mean, it convert, <coughs> that was his catalyst. <coughs> it converted him to the survivalist guy he always was meant to be. And he's like, I've been waiting my whole life for something like this. I've been ready. I've been prepared. I've been researching. I, I know what to do, you know. But um, the, where we were living, there was mold in the air and mold in the pipes and the water kept getting shut off. And so what happened was it, uh, (laughs) it changed our lives. It was a catalyst of, you know, him, you know, the pandemic plus my son, you know, and, and having no airflow at all whatsoever because we're terrified because they're like, Oh, it, it travels 30 feet, 60 feet in the wind. And it was always windy and we were scared. We, we got really scared. We didn't know, you know, we just saw the news reports here from, you know, from here in, 
Ecuador where like thousands of bodies were lining the streets. And I talked to people who were witnessing it and they're like, yeah, it's, it's scary. Like, you know, a lot of my neighbors are dead, you know, and that it scared the crap out of us. You know, a lot of people in the United States that don't really know anybody who died, except maybe, you know, someone's great uncle or their grandma or something. But, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't really know anyone who's died from this. So I don't really believe it. You know, but I was talking to people that were like, yeah, I mean, there are thousands of bodies. It is scary as shit. People are abandoning their houses and we don't even know where they're going. You know, and in the hospitals, they were lining the bodies outside. There was no refrigeration trucks here. This is Ecuador. They don't have shit like that. Why do they even have that stuff in the United States? It's creepy. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> we think about it. <laughs> where did that idea come from? Re- you know, refrigeration trucks for bodies like huh <laughs> maybe they were for something else like meat or dairy and they they converted them but that was kind of creepy for me but um I don't know it's just my son was just like it turned him into a kind of a crazy person for a while he was extremely careful about everything we there's even a video he made of him getting um from the third story where we lived, getting our groceries, you know, lifted, you know, lifted from the ground up in the thing that he created, you know, it just, he was just like so prepared that his mind went into overtime to protect us. Um, but it, it backfired when our whole house, we woke up one day and there was mold everywhere, all over the floors, inside his closets, all over everything. I couldn't breathe. I was having, we were, I was like going kind of crazy you know, and you probably reflected in my shows as well. And I still have stuff outside in the backyard that, um, very slowly, but surely I'm, I'm putting stuff under a special light along with, um, the, um, ionizing, just trying to kill all the fucking mold. I mean, it was really dangerous, like two or three different kinds of mold. It was really dangerous. And luckily I live in a place with a lot of airflow and as soon as I wake up in the morning and I open up that back door and we get air flowing, you know, all day long, I open the window, even if on the rainy days, I open the windows <clears throat> just so I have the airflow. Cause I, I don't ever want to be in a non airflow house anymore based on what happened. But, um, because all this stuff went down, that was our catalytic catalytic converter to get out of that apartment building. It was, um, mentally, bad for us to be there. It was emotionally and psychologically damaging to be there. It was traumatic because of the people that lived in the building, the apartment itself. If we ignored everything else, the apartment was actually a really cute apartment. It was super comfortable. I really liked it. I enjoyed living in the apartment, (laughs) but I didn't enjoy the fact that the water was shut off. The management of the building was terrible. So it was all this stuff and I wanted to move, but I didn't know where to move. And when I'd look online, Uh, places were more expensive and I was kind of, I felt kind of stuck, you know, and, and my son coupled, you know, with his, his survivalistic instincts, plus the mold, that was my catalytic, catalytic converter or whatever is my catalyst to convert myself into someone who is now motivated to get the hell out of there and to move and move. We did. And it was cool. It took us uh, two or three trips to get our stuff which is shocking because the whole six years in, in South America, it's just taken us like, you know, for the, the two kids and me, we had maybe six things to carry like a backpack and a suitcase. And that's it. You know, we were traveling light for six years and, um, now I actually have stuff that 
fits in the back of a truck, you know, <laughs> it's like one or two moves. I think it's like two moves now that, um, that I'll have to take. And it's like, ah, you know, <laughs> my, my son did take a lot of his stuff with him. So hopefully, but he left a lot of his stuff behind. I mean, he left a whole wardrobe behind. So I'm just like, ah, when I move, I mean, what do I do? You know, I'm probably going to keep his stuff. So, because he told me he's going to come home at some point. So, um, so, but that's, you know, those are examples of a catalytic converter, like, you know, a global pandemic or <laughs> mold cropping up and holy crap, I gotta get out of here. Um, really bad neighbors. Um, sometimes it's a person who's, um, you're in a relationship with and they're super chaotic or they're, um, something happens or like if they die, that's a catalyst for sure. You know, that's something that will like push you to you know, having to move, um, gain a divorce. That's a, that could be your converter <laughs> converts you into a stronger, braver person who, um, puts yourself first. You know, if you're in a bad relationship that could put you in a position of, um, just wanting to do better for yourself, you know, to accept, uh, more for yourself. You know, if you just, if you're in a relationship in which you've settled and now you're feeling like, eh, <laughs> why am I here again? You know, this is kind of a, you know, but sometimes you're in a great relationship and everything's fine. But then the catalyst will be like, for me, my husband got sick. Well, I didn't know. He just became mean. He became extremely violent. And I was like, I'm not going to live with someone who treats me like this. I'm out, you know, F this shit. I'm out, baby. I'm, I'm gone. You know, I don't put up with anything. And so I left and, you know, it wasn't until like, you know, a year and a half later when the divorce was final and, um, he started to have more and more things happen to him. And nine months later he was dead. So it was kind of like, Oh crap, you know, but the fact that he died and we felt like we had nothing more to live, you know, for in that area, like, you know, we felt like we wanted to explore the rest of the world. Now we don't have to stay because he's gone. There's no reason to stay. He didn't, he didn't leave a will, um, didn't leave, <clears throat> didn't leave my kid, my kids, anything, you know, not their, the big, beautiful house in the forest, which is still there. didn't burn down because it was North of where the fire was, you know, but, um, I was really like, okay. You know, he didn't leave us anything. There's nothing, you know, like, so nothing to remember him by really. I mean, other than our memories and that's it. So, um, we had a few pictures, which, we lost when I lost everything in storage. I mean, I've had one thing after another, after another, <laughs> after another, that's been my catalyst to move forward. You know, my converter converts me into a stronger person, um, a wiser person, a more deeply spiritual person. It, it converted me into a person that, uh, seeks, uh, divine guidance over all other guidance from humans, because I don't really get the best advice. <laughs> I don't attract the best of people all the time. I mean, I do now, but before I didn't, um, and now that I know what to look for, you know, I know all the signs and the boundaries and blah, 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 but what or who, what circumstances or who in your life have been your catalytic converter, you know, who lit that fire under your ass and got you to go to college, you know, or to get a job. <laughs> uh, do you guys remember the old TV show dead? Like me, 
Oh my God. Uh, some of my most favorite shows ever. And it was my favorite show before I found out <laughs> about my archangel of death, uh, thing that I am archangel Osriel. before I even knew that all of the shows I liked, like were reaper, <laughs> you know, about a, a, a kid named Sam on his 21st birthday. He finds out his, his parents sold his soul to the devil. And now he has to work for the devil going around and reaping, uh, souls. Like basically he has to go grab, um, people who've escaped from hell and put them back in hell, <laughs> like, a, you know, like a bounty hunter for hell, basically. So that was my favorite show. And, and dead like me, that was my other favorite show. And like all my shows are centered around death. It was so funny. You know, it's like when I found out I was an archangel of death, I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Honestly, it really does. I mean, even Lucifer is one of my favorite shows, you know, everything to do with, heaven and hell and angels and you know charmed was a big one i really related to to leo <laughs> you know people are like oh i relate to this sister or that sister which sister are you and i'm like i'm more like leo <laughs> i'm the white lighter i'm the watcher <laughs> and so i don't know i've always been and there's a new show you guys coming out of brazil and it's on netflix and there's a new season coming, but I, because of the pandemic, I don't know when they'll get it out. Hopefully soon. It is one of my favorite shows. And it's, um, I can't remember the name of it cause it's got a really boring name in English, but they're, um, little, they're angels and they're watchers and they're helping humans with the tiniest little things. Like someone's about, you know, they're reading a newspaper about to step in front of a bus they'll like push the person down or something <laughs> so they don't get killed. But you know, maybe they get a knee scrape instead. Um, and they have these teeny tiny angel wings on their back. So if you look up, if you do a search for Angelus, A N G E L U S, <clears throat> which is like a British, um, I mean, not British and not even, maybe it isn't Brazil. Maybe it, I think it's Brazil. Maybe it's Argentina. It's, it's from here in South America. It's a great show anyway. And, um, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. It's sarcastic and funny <clears throat> and weird, but in a, in a really strange way. I, I, I love eccentric stuff. It's eccentric anyway. Um, it's not scary. It's just funny, <clears throat> but it's all these people talking about, I'm communicating with the angels now. And this is what they're saying. And the angels are literally standing in the audience in the back going, that's a total lie. Like you're total bullshitting. Like that's not even real. Like, and I started doing the same thing because people were like, I'm channeling Archangel Azra. I'm like, no, the fuck you aren't dude. I'm sitting right here watching YouTube video. You're a liar. You're not channeling me. <laughs> you're not channeling my higher self. You're not channeling me. Cause you know, I cut all that off. No one can channel us anymore. And by the way, you guys, I found two more archangels. I found, um, someone, one of you came forward and you and, uh, your twin flame are both archangels. And so I found two more. So it's like, I think that rounds up my total to maybe like 14 or 15 angels that I found so far archangels. I think I'm meant to gather the archangels. So if you guys have any, uh, thoughts that you might have been an archangel when you started off, even though we're all human now, um, you know, write me and I'll ask, I'll ask God for you immediately. It's like 
for free. Totally. It only takes me a minute. So by the way, but, um, the catalytic converters, I don't know what else I could say about it other than, you know, they help you to change. They help you to fix, uh, situations in your life that are holding you back or that are keeping you stagnant or, um, they help move you along, you know, sometimes because we're not always self-propelled, you know, it makes it really boring in the movies when the character is propelled by life forward. Sometimes those kinds of characters are, could be funny or really shy, you know, like if you, um, watch, uh, Peter Sellers movie, um, why am I not thinking the name of it right now? It's about a guy called Chauncey, the gardener. And he's so shy and easily intimidated when people ask him something and he has, um, pretty severe autism. So he only say a few words at a time. And so people think he's being stoic and they think that he is extremely intelligent and they call him Chauncey Gardner, <laughs> Mr. Chance, the gardener and, or Chauncey, the gardener. And it's based on a book, um, being there, being there. It's one of my favorite movies, Shirley MacLaine and Peter Sellers. They were best friends. And so they were just golden together on the screen in this movie. <clears throat> so, I mean, if you could, if you could find it, it might even be on YouTube at this point, but I mean, I bought this on VHS. Okay. This is how long ago I saw this movie <laughs> before we had, um, DVDs, but, um, yeah, it's like, um, he was propelled. He was one of those characters that was kind of propelled by life. Like he ended up meeting like a politician's wife and he ended up just by chance, literally and his name was chance. So everything in his life just was by chance. He lived in one place for 40 years and then the person whose house he was living in died and he had to move out and he was just the gardener. So he's like, okay. And he didn't even know his own last name. Nobody ever paid attention to him. And he was just like propelled forward by life, you know? So like everything in his life was the catalytic converter. You know, he didn't get up off his ass and go, I think I want to go to college. I want to go to high school. I want to, he never left that house from the day he was born until he was like 40 years old. So he had zero life experience, <laughs> you know, and that's, and I'm not giving anything away. Cause it's like the first 10 minutes of the movie or five minutes of the movie. That's pretty much all it is. But, uh, so sometimes you have a character like that in the movies, but usually characters like that aren't very interesting. You know, and I, I wrote a script once and someone told me that I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. I had to go back and rewrite it, you know, but, um, <clears throat> but in life, a lot of people are this way, right? That's why when you go to the movies, you want to find something different and interesting that inspires you because it's different than the everyday life. That's why, you know, dialogue is so important, you know, and you're right. Um, you know, dialogue, it has to be, it can't just be how we normally talk because that ends up being super boring on the screen, you know? So everything is larger than life, they say. And it is like people, like if you watch Dawson's Creek, like, oh my God, every word is perfect. And it's totally unrealistic. It's not how people actually talk. 
and they'll even mention it. Well, you know, our conversation is totally unrealistic because it's not how normally teenagers will talk. And we're so mature for our age and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, with these people already. I'm, and then the whole time I'm wondering, are people on the East Coast like this? Is this the difference? Like, is this real? <laughs> it doesn't seem real to me. But um, it's still an interesting show. You know, it's complex characters and their, you know, arc of growth and all that. It's interesting to me. But, you know, when you're going through your life, you have things that will push you forward. You know, you get a notice on your door and, oh, fuck, I forgot to pay the rent. It's been three months. Now I'm being kicked out. Holy crap. You know, right now, you guys, four million people have been without power for four days in Texas during a massively cold a streak as well as snowstorms, which this kind of shit does not normally happen in Texas. You know, they'll get snow once in a great while, but very rarely. And they're without power. They can't cook and and pipes are bursting. People's houses are flooding and people don't have running water. They don't have, I mean, please keep praying for Texas guys. Um, one of you did write me, you are in Texas and you said, you're just, it's scary. It's scary. You're keeping super positive still, you know, um, it's, but it's scary. So, uh, if you're in Texas and you have, you, and you're kind of worried about some of the things and you can't get stuff locally, you could probably get some stuff overnighted to you from, um, eBay or Amazon. Um, if you do like fixed price auctions on eBay, um, maybe, and I want to give you guys some ideas because when you're in Texas and it's normally hot, you don't think about this stuff, but I've been in cold weather. This is some of the ideas I had. Um, there's a, um, alcohol gel fuel fireplace that, um, the alcohol, um, you can even go on YouTube and learn how to make your own, you know, but you probably can't because you don't have an oven maybe, you know, cause what's going on, but you can buy the gel fuel and it burns clean. Sterno, I think, is really bad. And I think you can die from it. So don't burn that in your house. People are burning barbecues in their home because they don't have a fireplace and they're scared. And they end up dying. They asphyxiate from the um, carbon monoxide that that creates. So don't do that crap. Don't barbecue in your house. Barbecue outside, you know. But a lot of people probably don't even have super warm clothes because, you know, it's Texas. It's like, why would you have super warm clothes? Um, but you could buy, even on eBay, you could buy like long johns. But the alcohol gel fuel fireplace, you know, it, it psychologically makes you calm because it's a fireplace. You just hang it on your wall and you put in the gel fuel and you, and you it does raise the temperature a few degrees. It does help it a little bit. But what my kids and I did, we, when we were desperate in Detroit without very much heat, we would sit in our um, tent inside my room and keep all the windows and doors closed. Of course, we put plastic on the windows and we put, um, you know, our, our electric heater inside the tent and we wrapped ourselves in our, um, goose down comforters. And, and, um, that's how we survived the coldest. I mean, we were like in one of the coldest winters in the last decade or something, our pipes froze and we had no running water. And I had to get a, um, porta potty in my yard. And 
I had just gotten out of my cast and I had to slide down the stairs on my ass <laughs> and open the wind or open the door and walk out onto the ice and the snow on a leg that was super weak. And I was just like so scared I was going to fall again. It was the most ridiculous scene. And then one day I was in the going in the porta potty and this little kid's all ha 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 you're poor you have to pee in the porta potty in your yard ha ha I'm like dude it's because my pipes froze I'm not poor because I have a $300 a month porta potty in my yard now if I was poor you'd be laughing and pointing at me for you know peeing in my yard in front of you without the porta potty and he's all Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, yeah. See? Perception, baby. <laughs> it was just like, okay, okay, you got me. You won. It's like, don't try to play the dozens with me, fool. I'm trying not to fall in the snow, man. <laughs> oh, my God. I love the kids are so fucking precocious and smart over there. Oh, my God. I love the kids in our old neighborhood, the L block. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, why are you heckling me right now? Six in the freaking morning and I'm trying not to pee my pants. I'm trying not to, you know, I was like, I had to slide down. It was like ridiculous. It took me forever to get down to the porta potty. It was like so ridiculous. So I don't know, you guys, I've been through that. Uh, If you are in Texas and you're in the cold snap and through most of the U.S. right now, you guys are in a cold snap. Something I thought of today. Um, I don't know if it'll work or not, but um, Jordan Michelle, and that's her name on Instagram, so I could say it. And by the way, she's an excellent flutist. Flautist? Anyway, she plays the flute. She is super awe-inspiring, by the way. But we were laughing about We're like, what if we put, what if you put, uh, you know, um, aluminum foil wrapped around your toilet seat? Because your toilet seat's cold as hell. Because <laughs> you have no power and you have no, um, you know, heat. So what, would that reflect your body heat back to you? Maybe, right? And then we started thinking about those uh, blankets, the emergency blankets. And then there's uh, pads I used to put, I put in my kid's bed and in my bed, uh, in all of our beds in Detroit because we wanted to stay warm. We were so cold. And I put it between the mattress pad and the sheet. And there were like um, a reflective surface. It was like, silver and you can reflect the heat back and I told her everyone in Texas has this so if you're in Texas you know someone in Texas everybody because it's usually hot and so sunny you know especially in the summertime that you have those reflected um, reflective sun shields that go in your car across your windshield like when you park you know and you want to come back you don't want your car to be super super hot you know so it reflects the sunlight back out of your car well, take those indoors and put them underneath your sheets when you get into bed at night. It'll reflect your body heat back to you. Um, you know, if they're silver. I mean, if they're cardboard, just leave them in your car. It's not going to work. But these are some of the ideas I was thinking about. I've been worried about everybody in the Northern Hemisphere. I think Europe is in a deep freeze. I think um, all of uh, Northern America is in a deep freeze. Canada. Like, I'm scared for all of you guys. Um Megan, you might be having problems as well in Canada. Um, and Tim, for sure. I know it's so cold in British Columbia, even like it's so snowy and so freaking cold. And I haven't heard from Tim in a while. The cosmic threader. It's been like several days. 
So, um, yeah, I just keep praying for if, especially if you're not in those areas, just keep praying for them. Even if you are in the areas, obviously pray for yourself, pray for all these people, because I mean, it's getting some, it's getting pretty fucking hairy out there, man. Today was pretty cold. Yesterday it was cold here in, in Ecuador. We're on the equator there. I mean, I think the coldest it's ever gotten here was 48 degrees, which is pretty scary because it's not normally that cold here. And, um, in the local, uh, Cajas national park, once in a great while, it'll snow for a day or two. And, you know, but there are, there are glaciers here. We actually have glaciers. We have like, I don't know. I, I call them primordial. I don't know from what era they were formed, but we actually have glaciers here in this country. You know, we have, you know, ocean and beach, you know, type of thing. We've got a little tiny bit of deserty area. Um, lots of, uh, just normal rolling countryside with pine trees and then, um, jungle. And then we also have massive mountains that have permafrost. They're always, uh, covered in snow way, way, way up like 10,000, 12,000 feet. And so we have the highest mountain in the world here. Um, but it's not, I, I think it's like when you measure it in, um, from the base to the top of the mountain or something, it's not the tallest mountain in the world, but there's like some kind of contention. I mentioned it like last year. I can't remember how it goes, but anyway, I, I saw some of the snow. It was like, cool. It was like, wow. Cause usually it's pretty warm here. Even in Quito we're at 10,000 feet above sea level, that place is hot as hell. It's hot and hard to breathe. It's like, oh my God, it's miserable. It's a cool place, but very dangerous. And then also miserable because you can't, I just can't breathe there. I could barely breathe where I live now. So I want to get back down to 6,000 feet. <laughs> or even at the beach, which is like, you know, 20 feet above sea level. That's better. I could just sit on my porch and watch the dolphins all day. That'd be awesome. But, um, yeah. So those were the ideas I had my two cents today. Um, thinking about this, uh, you know, today we're going to, uh, go into, um, you know, the relationship series that I do every February. And today's going to, we're going to take yet a different turn. Something I've never done before. Um, we're going to talk about spiritual relationships and how to honor and respect, um, our partners, you know, uh, whether they're a soulmate or twin flame, And even if you're single, it will still pertain to you. So stick with me, you know, just bear with me because, uh, at the end, I'm going to maybe surprise you and it's going to absolutely pertain to you. So you want to hear the whole message, not just, you know, tune me out because you're like, I'm single and don't want a relationship, right? If you're in an isolationship, it's still going to pertain to you. So, um, spiritual relationships, how to write the perfect love letter. But first we're going to go over to spaceweather.com and see what the news is today. Because I, I was going through melancholia today. Were you guys feeling a little down in the dumps or a little sad today? Even if it was like kind of a, I literally had the ennui today. It was weird. 
you know, there wasn't anything in particular. I was just like, I was a little, I had a little bit of anxiety till I sat down and started typing on my, um, computer, um, the class I'm going to teach. I decided to use my computer and my, you know, recording it from my tablet, but I could type it on my computer and it's still, my computer is not attached to the internet here. I just, the hacker situation was pretty bad, but I figured I could still write this. And then when I'm done writing it, I could put it on my, my son got me a one gigabyte device. I could put everything on before I factory reset everything. But I mean, it's like pretty crazy. Um, this whole, in this whole past year has been nuts for uh, electronics and for moving and the pandemic, the whole nine yards. It's just been really disorienting for me, but I sat down to write my class and I was overwhelmed. And then I felt the ennui and the melancholia. And it might just be that I'm catching on to my neighbors after, you know, their day of fighting or a couple days of fighting. The guy was in the backyard screaming the same word over and over again. I think totally by himself today. It was like, the hell is that? I don't even want to know what's going on over there. I hope that whatever happens, happens. If they're going to get a divorce, get on with it already. You know, just rip the fucking bandaid off already. Because the whole neighborhood's suffering. You know, (laughs) we all don't want to hear it. And it's hard, man. I mean, I dragged it out. I I never should have, but because my kids... I dragged it out for tears. I still lived with them after he told me he didn't want to be with me anymore. That was really hard. I should not have done that. I should have just said, you know what? Let me just get my own apartment and I'll move out. We'll try to work out everything. And we don't need to go through the court system or whatever. We've always been able to work things out. So let's do that. I should have said that, you know, looking back. Cause after he died, I was like, yeah, I should have done that. But, um, there was a genuine, genuine, um, feeling of blah, being down in the dumps, being under the weather. My throat has been hurting and several people have mentioned that the throat chakra has been hurting and they've been, um, kind of like having phlegm or having pain or having swelling in the throat. And I'm having all of the above. Um, I was wheezing during the show yesterday. Asthma has been just bad, but, um, I had more milk than usual because I ate some flan. I, you know, flan causes phlegm. Oh my God. Note to self. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like sometimes I get really like, Oh, I kind of want that. You know, I made pudding for myself. I haven't had pudding in like, God, eight or nine years. Like I, it's not something I normally eat. And then I just was, I saw it at the store. I'm like, I'm going to make pudding, you know? So I did that like uh, two weeks ago and then I had flan this week and I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't eat these things anyway. But, um, yeah, I'm getting ready to just not really do a juice fast, but just to do a lot of juicing in the next week or two. Uh, so when I get to the store, hopefully this week I've been in, in pain, but then the, the storms come with the thunder and the lightning, heavy duty storms lately. And every day, like I'll wake up in so much pain and it's like, well, it's going to thunder and lightning this afternoon. And then it does. And then it's gone. And I'm like, oh, I feel fantastic now. <laughs> it's like I've iced my back and took it and took two aspirin. And the minute that storm passes, I'm like, oh, thank God. 
But today, the storm brought an energy, an ennui with it. It really did. That's my favorite, my new favorite word. <laughs> it's an old favorite word that I revisited and <laughs> remembered. All right, so solar wind speed right now are the current uh, conditions in the space weather. Solar wind speed right now is 383.5 kilometers per second. And guess what, guys? After 14 days without a sunspot, bada boom, bada bing. New sunspots are now appearing at two different locations on the sun. And so we no longer have a sunspotless day. So that's, I guess that's good news, but we might end up with, since they're just newly forming, it looks like you'll take three, four, five days before something, you know, crackles off and pops off and comes our way. So we won't get too much plasma going for the next couple days. And the solar winds being not too, too fast right now either. So I'm thinking it'll be a week or more before something happens about this. But the uh, current Ulu neutron counts are high. It's gone up by 0.3% in the past uh, 48 hours. And there is a aurora oval, as they call it, if we get aurora borealis. It's not going to touch the United States, but all of Canada. So it's a pretty wide band. So if you're in Canada, you might get lucky. Let me see. Tim, you're not going to see it. Megan, it looks like you will. Well, maybe not. It looks like Toronto might be in the lower part of, you know, just outside of that range, quite possibly. All right. The solar wind, it, nothing has changed there. Uh, still on the 21st and 22nd, we'll be getting the solar wind. There were only two sporadic fireballs. That's it. According to the All Sky Fireball Network and NASA's All Sky Cameras, there is a really freaky picture of the sun. If you care to go to spaceweather.com today and check it out. <clears throat> it looks like um, it's a mirage. And the, the sky is super, super red, and the sun is very orange. And it looks like there's two suns, like, touching each other. It's really freaky. So if you want to check that out, spaceweather.com. According to DisclosureNews.it, the Schumann Resonance today hit two peaks, one at 45 hertz frequency and the other one at 51 hertz frequency. Now, about 18 hours ago, what went down in the rest of the world as far as Hertz returned in the Schumann Resonance, that is. According to heartmath.org, this is where we were at on Tuesday at the 2300 hour. Canada, that's not Canada. (laughs) Oops, totally lying there. Hold on a minute. (laughs) Reel that one in. Uh, Scratch that. California, there we go. California was at 41 hertz frequency. Hafuv Saudi Arabia was at 73 hertz frequency. Alberta, nope, I'm sorry. There we, why do I keep wanting to get into Canada? <laughs> I'll send them my resume. That's how I'm going to get into Canada. Oh, my God. Lithuania was at 80 hertz frequency. Alberta, Canada, finally we get to Canada. Alberta, Canada was at 74 hertz frequency. And... Northland New Zealand is at 51 hertz frequency. Last but not least, and not not to be outdone by anyone, we have Hulului, South Africa at 218 hertz frequency. So 
there we have it. Um, that is the current report of the day. Uh, that's it. Uh, if you happen to be listening to this, um, from Nigeria, I know you're in a festival way right now. I don't remember the name of it, but I wanted to wish you all, um, happy and joyous times and Ase because I just talked to a voodoo practitioner in the Yoruba tradition today. And he is very sweet. We talk every now and again. And um, he said, we are, my sister, we are in these festivities times, you know, times, and we're very happy right now. And we're going to be connecting with our ancestors for the next few days. And I thought that was very lovely and very sweet. And he was very, very sweet to me. And so I thought I'd mention that if you happen to be in Nigeria listening to this, I wanted to wish you love and luck and um, good communication with your ancestors. Ah, say, as they say. So that's it for now. Um, one other quick little thought I had, it would be kind of, it was a weird thought I had earlier. Um, I did say this years ago that it's quite possibly going to happen at some point where all the people who are the old dinosaurs of old way thinking are going to go the way of the dinosaurs. And the first of them toppled yesterday. <laughs> he was rushing for those pearly gates. I don't know if he made it or not. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. I don't know how to feel about it other than maybe relieved. Um, Rush Limbaugh died. He was one of those insiders that just went overboard. He was hilarious. Funny to listen to until he wasn't, you know, and then he just make you mad. Last time I actually listened to a show was when, um, oh gosh, in the nineties. Okay. So that's how long ago that I last because somebody was listening to him in the office where I worked and laughing their asses off because he was like such a dick. It was like, this guy's such a dick. I just laugh at him. But he was happy that the rainforest was being cut down and he played the sound of a buzzsaw. And um, I'd love to say he'd be sorely missed, but I'm telling you, I think the world is a brighter place suddenly. And I, I don't miss him at all. So, yeah. But it made me weird. It made me think about this. Like all the people who have like the weirdest, most venomous, hateful, spiteful, mean policies, all those men in government and in those positions that are screaming about, you know, whatever they're screaming about. And then they're promoting hatred and negativity. I mean, they're all up there in age. I'm like, wouldn't that be weird if they all just, this is the year they toppled this, the year of the age of Aquarius. I mean, it's been predicted it was going to happen. And I just thought, well, as soon as he died, I'm like, well, maybe it's starting. Maybe this is when it all starts. I don't know. It's a weird thought, right? I'm not, I'm not wishing anyone's death. I'm not trying to promote that, of course, but you know, it was just, you know, an overall thought. I, I think in terms of death <laughs> as Archangel Azrael, I, I always think about 
you know, stuff. I try to see patterns in it and it's, it's fascinating to me sometimes. You know, everyone ends up in the same place eventually. Again, we all go back to God. Some, some people make a pit stop in hell though. (laughs) So there's, there you have it. All right. I'm going to take a quick break when I come back. Spiritual relationships, how to write the perfect love letter. show of hands how many of you have read a wonderful love letter that was written to you and how many of you have written a love letter to somebody show of hands I want to see everybody (laughs) Uh, of course I joke because this is radio but (laughs) it's important to show people that you love them in ways other than just saying, I love you all the time. Right. Even though for me from the right people, hmm, hearing those words never gets old. Spiritual relationships, how to write the perfect love letter. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So what is the purpose of a love letter? Now, if you're coming from a spiritual perspective, the reason that you would want to give your beloved a love letter, besides it maybe being your anniversary or Christmas or, you know, a special holiday, Valentine's Day, um, you might want to hold off on doing something cliche and just giving your sweetheart a love letter on a normal average day on a sunny Wednesday afternoon with a no particular end goal in mind <laughs> it's not trying to you know get into his pants or whatever okay that's not the that's not the goal obviously especially if it's a spiritual love letter you know it doesn't have to be spiritually based but if you have a spiritual um, connection and you're in this relationship where you just feel like it was meant to be. And if you're in an isolation ship, if you're single like me, we're going to get to you at the end ish. Okay. About halfway through maybe. Um, so just let's as an exercise to know, and maybe you could give this advice to your friends <laughs> who are in a relationship, but writing a love letter, it's, Another way to let somebody know that you appreciate them is a way to get out um, all of your thoughts and your feelings about that person in a way that might be difficult in person. You know, you get sidetracked, the person asks a question, you know, the doorbell rings, a dog barks, whatever, you know, you have to go to work. But giving them a letter, they could sit in their own time, in their own space and see tangibly on, on paper, how you really feel about them. Now, of course, 
it's a love letter. <laughs> so, I mean, if you really don't feel that way about them, then, you know, don't do it. Okay. But if it's someone that you're, that you love like so much, then this writing a love letter is a way to honor and respect both the person and the relationship you share with them and the love that you have grown together through the combination of your energies, your efforts, your partnership, and the way you walk through life together. So what is the purpose of a love letter? You could state this in your love letter if you want, but basically it's a way to let the other person know how you feel about them and about the relationship itself and how it's going for you and where you wish it to go. It should feel like a mini celebration of your love that is captured in a moment on paper. Now, uh, I'm going to go over some of the things that you may or may not wish to include, but these are just my ideas and you might add stuff that I didn't even think about. And if you think about something I didn't think about, let me know later. Cause that would be cool. Cause I'm going to just keep writing on this and maybe, maybe someday this will be a class on Udemy or maybe this will be a book. I don't know. We'll see. <clears throat> but, um, now that we know the purpose and you could, you could write, you know, I've been thinking about our relationship and the way our love is going. And I must say, I am quite pleased. I am very happy to be here with you now in the world at this time together, moving through life forward with you has been a remarkable experience for me. That would be a way that you could say it. Now I'm going to give you examples throughout this whole thing. And most of them are not autobiographical. They're not things that I've told people or that they've told me. I've just made it up because this is things that these are things that I wish someone would have said to me, or these are things I wished I could say to someone, especially to my, some, there's one or two things here. I'd love to say to my twin flame. You know, if I see him, maybe I will say these things. Maybe I'll write it in a love letter. So what you definitely want to do and don't overdo it and don't be cheesy about it, obviously. <laughs> and this in, by the way, I'm doing this because we're in the middle of love month, right? <laughs> February is always love month <laughs> for me. Anyway, it's like a whole month long celebration. Uh, especially if I am in a relationship, it's like, you know, do something nice for the person, not just on Valentine's day, but the whole month of February. Okay. The whole year really and truly I'm, I'm the kind of person I, I do cheesy love letters and notes and, you know, writing on the bathroom mirror and lipstick, you know, the little, I love you or Hey, sexy, you know, whatever. It's kind of fun, you know? Okay. I've never written on a bathroom mirror and lipstick ever. I want to do this though. I have, I have done it for myself. I actually bought purple lipstick <laughs> to write an affirmation because I thought that would be a cool color. So I have done that for myself, but I haven't done it for uh, anyone else yet. I'm working on it. Here comes the, the wolves, by the way. I know you can always hear them in the background. 
<coughs> God forbid, you know, they could be quiet for three whole hours. But when I start the show, here they come around. There's Blackie again. <laughs> so, okay. Um, compliment the person. You want to compliment them. But about who they are on the inside. And what that means to you. So, for example, and like I said, I'm going to give some examples. Their personality. These are uh, ideas that I I wrote. Um, These are things that maybe I would love to say to my twin flame if they end up being true when we are together in person. So, I love your sense of humor and the way that you can laugh with wild abandon. Your variable moods intrigue me. And it makes me wish to get to know you better. Your incredible talent in so many areas of your life is nothing compared to the way that you are able to express these talents and how brave you are to share them with the world. Your shyness, in spite of all that you have accomplished, fills me with awe this inspires me so those are the kinds of things you could say about their personality for example their spirituality Um, this is one I totally made up totally randomly made up I love that you try to read two new metaphysical books per month the fact that you are open to your own continuous spiritual growth encourages me to keep going too. You could also add something like, I'm glad we're growing together in the spiritual way. It's so cool. I found a like-minded partner in you. So uh, another thing you might want to add, what they have accomplished in life. So look at things that they accomplished maybe since you've been together, if you've been together a while or even if but you know before they met you if you if and don't write a love letter to someone you met like a week ago by the way. Don't be really rude or it's not rude. It's it's um it's not really rude but it's disingenuous. It's like, "Wow, let me write all these wonderful things." It's something that after you've established the relationship, after you've been there for a while, then it means so much more to give someone a letter like this within the first month. Um, no, (laughs) it would be a red flag. By the way, this is something that you want to hold off on. I would say three month anniversary would be the minimum, (laughs) but, um, again, if you're, if you're single, just wait in a minute. I'm going to surprise you with something, hopefully. And you're, you're, you, hopefully you'll like it. So this is going to end up being a metaphysical project for you guys. Okay. (laughs) Homework, (laughs) spiritual homework. All right. Okay. Don't shut me off. Don't shut me off. You're going to like the rest of this. I promise. (laughs) I mean, imagine if someone said these things to you. Or something similar, you know? So, okay. 
what they have accomplished. So yeah, find things that they've done that are unique to them. And so I wrote a couple examples. You know, you moved across the country and started a new job or maybe they attended college in a town where you knew no one that is so brave of you. Or you could say, you know, most people don't even get to attend university and not only did you attend, but you graduated. That is huge. And maybe they were the only person to have graduated with a bachelor's degree, you know, in their family, they were the first in their family, maybe. And, and that would be huge. Maybe the parents didn't go. Do you know that only like, like, I think it's 80% of the world do not get a higher education. So if you've gone to college, that's already an accomplishment, right? So, um, so you could say this is huge, right? Or maybe they did a different kind of accomplishment. You have your own thriving, successful business. Did you know that 75% of all businesses fail in the first year? And yet you did not give up. Look at you now. Wow. You wow me. You know, that would, that, I mean, that's not my life. God, I wish I could say I have a thriving, successful business. <clears throat> I would love to have that situation even in place at all for someone to then recognize it. Because when you recognize your love, for what they've done outside of the relationship and outside of knowing you and you recognize them, that feels so good when that kind of a compliment lands, like when it's really genuine and you really mean it, those kinds of compliments really land and it's a positive thing. It just, it just makes the person feel so relieved, helps them to feel good and safe in the relationship because they feel seen and heard, you know, especially if they've had, you know, crappy adults growing up, you know, where children should not be seen, you know, or should be seen and not heard, you know, not seen, not heard, or, you know, or any one of those combinations. Like that was always something, uh, <coughs> I heard growing up children should be seen and not heard. Do you know how hard it was for me to even speak to anybody as an adult when I first became 18? I was terrified to talk to anybody for any reason. Someone starts to talk to me and I would like jump. Like, why are you talking to me? I'd be so scared. You know, it's like so horrible to, to imagine that, you know, to grow up in a way in which you're not loved, you're not appreciated, you're not seen and you're not heard. And so, and that's how most of us grew up one way or the other, you know, to one extent or another, you know, maybe you only felt like that 20% of the time, maybe it was a hundred percent of the time, you know, but when you get into a relationship, you know, and, um, someone sees you and they hear you and they honor and respect the person that you are and what you've been able to accomplish. Oh my God, that lands so nicely. That really just, it makes you feel very, very special. And I've had that a little bit but not a hundred percent, you know, my, my husband, father, my kids, he was, sometimes he'd just sit me down and comp be complimentary. The best card I ever got from him was a picture of a tornado, <laughs> just a tornado going across it, like a Texas prairie. And maybe it was Oklahoma. I don't know, but it was just, there was like no buildings in the picture, just a tornado. And he said, my dearest Elena, you 
like a tornado came into my life and picked me up and moved me to a better place. And I have loved the whirlwind romance that we've had. And your love has changed me in every possible way. Then he said, I love you, Terrell. I don't have that card with me. But it was something that was very dear to my heart, even after the divorce, even after he died, especially after he died. It was something that, um, it was in my things and I didn't see it for a long time. And then I found it and I just, oh, it just broke me down. I just cried and cried and cried. What a weird thing to say to someone. You're, you're like a tornado, but it really was. He's right. You know, I can't deny it. Plus we saw Twister together. So I love disaster movies for some weird <laughs> uh, angel death. I'm sorry. I have a bad sense of humor. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> I always love disaster movies. I don't know. It's just like the human condition and overcoming, you know, anyway. Um, so, okay. <laughs> so just saying something so complimentary about them, like, you know, you did this thing. This thing is freaking huge. This is really amazing. You know, and Like, for example, what would I want someone to say to me about my screenwriting? Well, okay, you've been able to, you've managed twice now to get in the top 10% of Scriptapalooza. That tells me you do have talent. Just keep going. Get better. I'm encouraging you to take classes. I will, you know, take, you know, give you time to yourself so you can take the classes to get better. You know, I would love someone to say that to me. Although I could say that to myself. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) That was a spoiler alert. Okay, hold on. Hold on, guys. All right. Um, So what if something in their life went terribly, terribly wrong? This is something, you know, so so even if something went down that was bad, that was really the opposite of success, you could still compliment them on the way they handled it. So for example, you lost your fortune and you worked hard and you are scrambling to get it back. And I see you because you're not giving up. You're being positive in spite of what happened. You're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. And I watch as you become that man again, or that woman again, whatever, you know, um, you didn't give up and you know what I have to tell you, mister, your unique kind of perseverance is sexy because you don't give up and you don't give up your positive attitude in spite of what happened. You keep going, and I love that about you. And you see how that kind, that, that kind of sentiment just can land the right way. I mean, don't say these things if you don't believe them, right? But that for me, that is something that is kind of sexy when someone is persevering ah, in spite. <laughs> Um, what about overcoming an obstacle? Well, I kind of already mentioned the screenplay scriptapalooza thing. That actually something happened to me. I did get twice in the top 10%, but, ah, close, but no cigar, baby. I didn't get to the top, you know? 
Um, but overcoming an obstacle. So you, you wrote your first book or your first screenplay, or you wrote your, or you made your first movie as a filmmaker. Like my brother did that. My brother's a filmmaker. He's made several movies by now. I've only seen maybe two of them. One of the trailers for one of them, he didn't send it to me. And I'm so bummed because it was, it was about based on the prodigal son, uh, story in the Bible, but he said it in an old wild West, uh, background and setting. And he played the bad son. (laughs) And my brother is so like good as a cowboy. Like he's, he's a good looking guy and he's has his convictions and his passion. And so there's this one passionate scene in the trailer. I was like, Oh my God, my brother is so good. I was so proud of him. He does such a good job. Even his wife is like, he's so, he looks so good in the scene. I'm like, he's so cute. He's so sweet. Like, Oh my gosh. But to see him like angry and he did a good job because he's not normally like that. And I was laughing so hard. I'm like, Oh, that's totally not his personality at all. He's like such a sweet person. And for him to be like shouting and slamming a door, I was like, wow, so dramatic. <laughs> you know, so like it's, it's a big deal. I mean, he even did like a, a horror movie once because he found, um, severed body parts at Walmart on Halloween, <laughs> like a hand and a foot. And so he had to do like a, a really creepy movie and he, he did film the footage. And then afterwards he took it home and put it in black and white filter and he watched it. It was so, it looked so real and so creepy that it scared himself and he had nightmares for a month. (laughs) Oh my God. So that's a whole funny side story. It has nothing at all to do with what we're supposedly um, focusing on right now. Oh my God. Sorry about that guys. My ADHD gets, (laughs) I go off on tangents because my ADHD. All right. Um, I did drink coffee right before this. Okay. I should have another sip because that does kind of put me back on track. Coffee kind of makes my mind to go back on the track. So, (laughs) all right, here we go. (laughs) There we go. Ooh, it was a little cold. Ooh, my teeth cannot handle the cold. I need Sensodyne toothpaste. I don't think they sell it here in Ecuador. I have to find out. (laughs) I think it's Sensitivo. Dientes sensitiva. I have to look up what it means. It's like to find anything in a foreign country, you have to look up, you know, the English to that language translation of what to look for. And then you have to look up all the possible words. And then you go to that section of the grocery store and you have to like read all of the labels. And with me, I've got to read them with my, my glasses, my cheesy glasses. I got for 10 bucks at the witch market in Peru. (laughs) All right. So, okay. Um, so, so what you could say to somebody in a, in a love letter, when they have overcome an obstacle that most people find daunting, you wrote that 60 page paper, you finished your college dissertation, you written your first book, you've done your first movie, you, you've, um, you know, done your first big project, whatever that is, you know, you broke ground on the real estate development you're developing, whatever it is. And then you could say something like that is so incredible and such an accomplishment. You know, most people don't start, let alone finish or fulfill 
their dreams, but you are well on your way. You know, I mean, seriously, these kinds of things, I mean, does it feel good even to hearing that, even if you're like not at all remotely in that situation, it, it still feels good, right? To hear it, it feels good for me to say it, it has a high vibration. And when I give people a compliment, I really mean it, you know? So I feel like there's a high vibration to it. It's very spiritual. If you can really mean, you say something to someone and you really mean it and it lands the right way and they feel it. I mean, that raises their vibration and it raises yours. So, okay. Um, all right. So what their features do for you and what, and of what they remind you. So what does that mean? Um, your eyes are so green. They're like peas. <laughs> That's not a good example for what to put in a love letter. <laughs> I told you about that guy, my friend, my ex-boyfriend's, uh, friend came over and he was like, had zero clue how to handle talking to a woman. And that's what he said to me. Wow. Your eyes are so green. They're like peas. <laughs> like he could have said they're, you know, your eyes are so green. They're like the ocean when it's angry, you know, like that would have been cool. Or it's like Jade at Jade Cove beach. One of my favorite places on earth. You know what I mean? Like you, the, 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 those are the kinds of compliments that you could give someone. But in a love letter, especially if you're a spiritual person and you're trying to be really genuine, you don't want to be like, I like the color of your skin or I like the color of your eyes or, you know, anything that this person had literally zero to do with, you know, yeah, I, I won the genetic lottery. Thanks. You know, <laughs> because it's not really, you can mention stuff, but it's not really, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's okay to mention, you know, like I, I've, I don't know. I mean, some people from the older school kind of, you know, people my age or older, we don't have a problem with it, but the younger generations, if you're um, in your twenties, you know, or even maybe your thirties, that might really bother you when people go, Oh, I like your brown hair. You know, it's a pretty color of brown. It's that kind of compliments like, wow. Yeah. I, uh, I, I managed to put myself through university. I got three degrees and I managed to get this business up, up and running off the ground, but thanks. I'm glad you like my hair. You know what I mean? Like my, my, um, oldest kid always got really pissed off when people would say, you're so beautiful. I like your eyes, you know? She liked it a little better when someone say, I like your mohawk and that color is a good color for you because that's something she did. I like your makeup. That's something she did. It's something she created and she's a very creative person. So, you know, like that's more of a compliment than I like your eyes. You know, like I've had people come up to me and say, you have really long hair and I'm like, uh, thank you. I didn't know that. You know, it's like, what do you, what do you say to that? Is it really a compliment? Usually people are just in shock, you know, and they see, you know, when my hair used to be like super, super, super long, 
I, my hair used to be like, there's a time my hair was like literally down to almost my ankles, like mid calf. I mean, that's too long. <laughs> I wanted to see how long it get. I'm like, let's keep it going. See how long it gets, man. And right now it's like, it's past my waist and I just cut it. I'm going to have to cut it again. I'm like a hair farm over here. But when you say something to someone like, I like your boobs or something weird like that. It's just such a low vibration to that. Like such a low level sort of, you know, I like your booty baby. You know, is that's just so like, like a, there's not much that people can do to change their body. If it's just, if they're just an average normal person, unless they're hitting the gym six hours a week or whatever, like most people don't do that going to the gym two or three times a week is usually what people do. But like, um, and, and that's okay to compliment on someone, someone on, you know, they do yoga every day and it shows, you know, you know, they're flexible and they're strong and, you know, and you could say it shows in your personality, you're a flexible person and you're a strong person. And even in your body, when you do yoga, you are, you know, like that would be more of a compliment, but to say something like, I like the hair color, your hair color or your skin color or your eye color or, you know, it, it just, you got to be careful in knowing the person that you're writing to, you know, cause it just, you got to, for me, it seems like a gray area. Like it's something that you can do, but it's not, it's not as special you know, it's, it, it's like, it shows someone that you see them, but you're seeing their physical body, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know. Both of my kids get really angry when people say to them, I like your eyes. They've got their dad's eyes and they're still mad, mad at him. That might be why, but <laughs> you know, but it just, it's like, Oh, you're so good looking. Okay. Thanks. You know, and I've had people tell me that you're so beautiful. You have pretty eyes. I like your hair. And I'm like, cool. You know, I made 753 episodes of my podcast. They're like, oh, that's nice. You're so beautiful. I like your hair. You know, it's like, what? What? <laughs> I, I like the way the air flows in and out of your lungs. That's pretty fancy. That breathing of yours. You know, um, pretty cool how you're able to shuffle along down the sidewalk like that. I like how you don't pick up your feet as you walk. You know, <laughs> it's like I broke my leg. I'm wearing, you know, I have a, I have a cast. I have crutches. Oh, is that what it is? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, these kinds of things aren't really compliments. And it's, it's cool that you might like that about somebody, but in a love letter, it doesn't feel as genuine to me. And my kids are the ones that really pointed this kind of stuff out. Guys used to say this stuff to me all the time. Like anytime I tried to go on a dating site years and years ago, like 10 years ago, before I realized I'm, I really am a twin flame and I'm waiting for my God before I realized all that. I was, you know, like always trying to meet someone, you know, I want to be loved again. I want to, be there again. You know, when I broke up with my husband, I wanted to find love again. And so I was always like trying to talk to people and they were always saying these stupid things. How was your day princess? It was good. I did this and that. Oh, I don't care what you do, baby. I just care about you. 
It's like, if you cared about me, you would want to know what I freaking wrote my article about. I, I added to my blog today. Why didn't you ask me what the article is about? <laughs> Delete. You know, <laughs> it's not, <clears throat> it doesn't feel genuine to me. You know, those kinds of things. I like your eyes. I like your lips. I like your ass. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's not something you put in a love letter. So I just wanted to let you know, if you're going to mention their features, this is the way you do it. I mean, not exactly my words, but I'm giving you guys an idea. So if you, so what their features do for you and what they, of what they remind you. So here's the examples I wrote. You know, I really love your laugh because it shows that you're capable of feeling and expressing true joy. Your laugh is infectious. It's contagious. And sometimes I can't catch my breath because I'm laughing with you so hard. And those are moments with you that I truly cherish. For example, and honestly, that's something my mom so, kind of something similar. My mom said to me when I was little, she said, your, your laugh is so contagious. It always makes me laugh. Yeah, it always makes me happy being around you because your laugh always makes me smile or laugh out loud. And that made me really happy because I love my, my mom, God rest her soul. She was one of the sweetest people in the world. So, um, so, so it's, I guess that's not really a feature, but it kind of is a feature because your voice is, it's part of your genetic makeup, your laugh, your voice, you know, um, there's like, if there's something that God created in you or you chose for yourself, you can go from a different perspective on it though. I like the eyes you chose for yourself, but that sounds weird, right? <laughs> what do you want me to have them put in a box on your, you know, in a glass box on your desk, you know, <laughs> Cruella, you know, it just, it just seems weird. I'm just, you know, maybe stay away from complimenting body parts. It's so objectifying, you know, um, if it's part of a greater conversation and it flows nicely, maybe in person speaking it out loud, maybe during sex, cause you're doing something that, you know, with your bodies, you know, like that kind of thing is, you know, um, and even then, you know, even then just be careful with those kinds of, it's not really a compliment. And if you're in your twenties, you already know this. It's, it seems like the newer generations, the newer adult generations are like completely hip to these ideas, you know, but this is, so this is another one I wrote because if you want to compliment someone's eyes, this is what I think would be okay. Your eyes the windows to your soul, which is a cliche, I know. All right, but bear with me. <laughs> your eyes, the windows to your soul, show me that you have experienced pain. You have known heartache, but you kept going in life and that made you stronger as a person. See, that's better than your eyes are so green. They're like peace. <laughs> oh my God. 
I mean, you see the difference. So there it is. Um, <laughs> and this is another one I wrote. Your smile kills me at times when you look at me and smile because I see that you usually don't smile throughout the day. And you know, I feel incredibly lucky that you choose to smile for me. You know, so if you have someone who's really broody and moody, but then they'll smile at you, that's like special. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm Native American, and when I'm not um, making any face at all and my face is relaxed, I look like I'm sad. My, my corners of my mouth are turned down. It's a Native American feature. My um, niece, she, was, um, she is uh, Mayan, my ex, you know, I guess technically ex-niece because it was through marriage. But um, when she didn't smile, everyone thought she was sad. When she was just like relaxed face, everyone thought she was sad. And it was like, you know, Kaylee, are you okay? And she'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? You know? <laughs> and then she'd smile and she was absolutely gorgeous. But sometimes she looked so sad. And it was just, it was just a Native American feature. <laughs> it was just the Mayan part of her. You know, and it's just something I've noticed. It's like, eh, all right. <laughs> Keep it in mind, you know, if you're dating a Native American, it might be, you know, it might just be their natural resting face that they're, and they're not moody or something. They're just relaxing, <laughs> chillaxing. So this is another fun thing. If they have a tell, this is something you could say. This is just an example. And none of this stuff is like, you know, this is just stuff that um, I wrote like, some of the stuff I've heard that people said to me, like, or something similar, but, or that I've heard on a TV show or something. And most of this is not, not autobiographical, except for when my, my mom said my laugh was contagious and she noticed that I help other people laugh around me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a Hayoka baby. I didn't know that at the time when I was a kid. <laughs> I always made my cousins laugh. Even if they were sad or crying, I'd always get them laughing. And that was like super fun. <laughs> So, um, the little tell you have when I know you want to tell me something, but you feel nervous about it. I love that scared little smile that flashes across your face for a split second, right before you share incredible news with me. You know, like that, that kind of a thing. Like if you know someone has a tell, your lower lip quivers when you're about to tell me bad news. And I always thought that was, that was uh, really sweet. It was almost like a forewarning, you know, it's just something like that. But it's like, you have to really, really look at someone for a long time and know them really well before you can know. That's why I'm saying love letters. You don't give it to someone the first two weeks. That's creepy. But after you've been together, like on your anniversary, gain a love letter. Oh, that's incredible. I've never gotten a love letter in my life. I, well, okay, no, it's not true. My 16-year-old boyfriend, Chuck, he gave me the most incredible love letters. Like, oh my God, like every uh, two weeks I get a, a love letter from him. He was a very sweet person. And I don't know what happened to him. I think he just got off Facebook. I, I hope he's still alive. I don't even know. I'm like, how come he hasn't contacted me? I know he turned Catholic. <laughs> and then I, and then I haven't heard from him. So I don't know. Um, okay. 
So their physicality you can mention, but I believe only if it's something that they have done. Like when I said, um, when people would compliment my daughter, I love your mohawk. That color is beautiful on you. She liked that. Or I like your eye makeup. The way you do your makeup is so unique and it, it makes you really beautiful. She likes those kinds of compliments because it's something that's about her creativity and her artist, art, artistry. God, I couldn't say that. Okay. So, but physicality, through something they've done. So if someone does hit the gym a lot, this is something you could say to them. I love your sexy body. You put so much work into looking great. And this commitment to being the best shows up in other areas of your life too. Your healthy diet makes me feel happy. If you will take care of yourself so well, you will take care of me too. And you'll encourage me to do better and stay healthy with you just by your actions. I love that we can eat healthy and make good meals together. And we're going to live a long time together and we're going to have a great life. Even into our old age. Woohoo. You know, so I mean, if that's your situation, I had a boyfriend who's a bodybuilder and we always ate maybe not terribly healthy, but we, we ate good together though. We would cook sometimes, not, not a lot. My ex-husband and I, we cooked a lot together. I loved it. Every other day we would like, it'd be my turn to cook dinner and his turn to do dishes. And we would like flip flop every other day, you know? Um, but sometimes we would actually cook together. It was kind of fun. I love that. I love that. Jeremy and I cooked together all the time and we would get the kids involved and they would look up recipes on YouTube and we would learn like new cuisine. And one day my daughter's like, I know how to make Chinese food. And she's like made wontons. I was like, what? And, and Jeremy's like, okay, I want to, I want to do this with you. I want to learn this with you. And so that was like, like their activity together. And then I don't know, my son and I were doing something else. I think we were making the rice. We made like fried rice while they were doing the wontons. So, um, you know, if you, so their physicality could also be like, it was fun when we made that meal together. You know, you can mention, um, events, but we're going to get to that in a minute. So, so also make sure in your love letter that you mention how they make you feel when you are together. So here's an example. I feel safe, happy, comfortable, exhilarated when I am with you. In the real world, I feel that I am walking at the bottom of the ocean and I can barely move or get through my day. But when I'm at your side, I feel like I am floating up in the sky above the clouds because it's just such a natural high just to be in your presence. Now, don't say anything like that unless you really mean it, of course, but I mean, it's just, maybe that's a little bit over the top, a little bit cheesy. I'm overly romantic. You know, I'm a redhead and we're known for being like almost too romantic. So <laughs> also my Virgo-ness, I'm just like, ah, very romantic and I'm very idealizing things. So if that's too cheesy, you know, you could skip it or, you know, alter these kinds of things. But, but that's honestly how I feel like my normal life. I feel like I'm barely able to move because of arthritis, honestly, but I don't want to say my, on account of my arthritis. I mean, I'm not Sanford of Sanford and son over here, you know? So that's, you know, it's just kind of a weird example I came up with. All right. 
So another thing you can mention in your love letter is something you enjoy together, even if it's like a very simple moment. You know, when you really love somebody and you really enjoy their company, the simple moments, like even grocery shopping together can be so incredibly special. You know, like the more mundane things, you know, just brushing your teeth in his and her sink. Like you have your sink and they have their sink, that kind of a situation, which I've never had in my life. I can imagine is actually pretty romantic. It's a mundane thing, but you can, it's something, it's a weird thing you could do together, but it's like, you know, it's like super close and sharing. Although I like to be private cause I'm a Virgo, but it seems like that would be also romantic somehow, but okay. So something you can enjoy together, even if it's simple, even the silence between us is comfortable. There is no need to excessively chatter on about life because with you, I am truly living. That's just one I came up with another one. See, I should be writing greeting cards. I swear to God. Okay. <laughs> Meditating at your side gives me encouragement to keep going. Thank you for this. It's something I should have told my husband because we meditated I and mean, we, because of him, I got up to six hours at a time, not moving for six whole hours. That's a freaking accomplishment, man. That's a lot. But I mean, I, that's how I know God so well now, because I was, I'm able to just connect right now so easily because I, I put the spiritual work in, you know, and, but if I never would have, if I hadn't met him, so, okay, here's another one at night. When we cuddle, I find it incredibly sweet. The way our feet touch, <laughs> I just like that, that idea, that image, my cat does this to me. It's so freaking cute. She will, um, get underneath the covers and put her little feet on my feet. Oh my God. So cute. I wake up with her tiny little paws touching my feet. Oh, it almost makes me want to cry because it's so incredibly sweet. So that's a little love letter to my cat right there. <laughs> okay. A happy memory. Dancing under the stars the other night was so simple and so sweet and so natural, a magical moment in our ordinary lives that felt transcendent and genuinely romantic. I thought, how did I ever truly live before I met you? You know, so you, you know, romanticize a happy memory. That's a perfect thing to do in a love letter. Uh, hope for the future. So it's, so this is someone you want to move forward with. You want to be together with forever. Maybe, um, if you, you've already made that decision, you could say something like, I am grateful for your presence in my life. And I hope we can continue to walk side by side in this world together and help each other and emotionally support each other to achieve our goals and dreams or something like that to that effect. Obviously these are just examples and take them or leave them. Sometimes they're more practical. Sometimes they're more romantical. <laughs> so this is what it is. Even if you're in an isolation ship, if you're alone, if you're not, you know, if you're single and looking or single and never looking again, <laughs> or if you're in a relationship married, or you just started out, you know, this is your mission. Choose 
no, not. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. That's what I wrote. Okay, number one. After I wrote all this stuff, number one, write a love letter to yourself. Oh, did you see that one coming? (laughs) Write a love letter to yourself on a day that you feel really good. Write about the hard times you've been through, but how it made you stronger. Write about your accomplishments that no one else in your family was able to achieve. Write about how you genuinely love parts of your personality. Like when I wrote the line about the sadness in your eyes, that's, that's about me. I wrote that about myself. That one is autobiographical. I didn't write that to anybody else, but that is something. That's actually something that other people have pointed out in me. I see the pain you've been through in your life in your eyes, but there's somehow that makes you a deeper person. I've had people say that to me. Even people that I was in a relationship with, just, just people that I got to know. And it, that was, it, it was, it's a weird compliment, but it's a compliment because I felt seen, you know? <laughs> so, um, write a love letter to yourself. And after you've gone through this and you've written your love letters to yourself on your days of ennui, on your melancholia days, read it to yourself, read it on your darkest or your saddest days, pull out that old love letter. You can even get sexy with it, baby, and spray it with perfume. You could draw a little art on it, maybe do a little painting on it. But if just reading it does not have the desired effect, this is what you're going to do for yourself. Because this is a month of love, but we are focusing a little more on self-love this time this time around light a candle for yourself light incense bake yourself cookies or a cake or make a great meal for yourself if you like buy yourself roses even get dressed up for yourself baby wear your favorite cologne or perfume and then read this letter out loud to yourself it's going to make you feel better about who you are, where you've been, where you're headed, and about everything in general. You know, if you're a woman who has stretch marks because you've given birth, mention that. You know, like, these are not ugly stretch marks because you're ungrateful, grown adult children. Don't They never call and never write, and then they ruined your body and left you for dead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard women say stuff like this about their own kids, right? <laughs> I mean, I had a friend who would always say to her, her son, even in parties with a you know, room full of people, she'd be like, remember the hemorrhoids you gave me? Yeah, that was a gift that kept on giving. I still have them and you're 25. <laughs> My friend said that to her own son. He was so freaking embarrassed. He's like, oh my God, mom. I was, I was a baby. I wasn't even born yet. Like, why are you blaming this on me still? Preparation H. It's in the stand. It's in the damn store, mom. Like it was so embarrassing. He was like, damn it. 
the hell's wrong with my mom, right? <laughs> you know, but you, but instead you could look at it in a different way. Like I've earned my stripes and they're on my stomach. And you know what? I gave birth to amazing children. They're going to grow up to be really good people. And you know what? This, this is proof that I accomplished being a mother that not everyone gets to do that, you know? So like, even if you're a woman with stretch marks, like, you know, so you could compliment the things of your body that you don't like, just reframe it and put it in a different way. Right? So, okay. Number two, here's another, this is another part of your mission. Now that's writing the love letter to yourself. Second one, write a love letter to your current love. If you have one. And if you don't write a love letter to your future love, if you don't have one, write to the person you wish to have in your life. Now I'm not saying dear Brad Pitt, okay. Or whatever (laughs) I, you know, (laughs) you know, dear neighbor down the street, you know, don't write it to someone specific like that. Don't put someone's name in there, but just say, to my beloved or to my sweetheart, to my love, whatever you want to say, whatever pet name you want to call your, 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 uh, person, you know, to my person. <laughs> um, so, but right to the kind of person you want, you know, thank you for always being there for me. Thank you for honoring, loving, and respecting me, etc. Right? So you're going to list the future, the features that they're going to have, or that you imagine their personality, like how they're going to be write a love letter to the person you want to share the rest of your life with. I mean, don't put a specific name or something, but it's going to help you formulate what you want. And it's just another way to do it. Now, number three, Here's another one. This is fun. <laughs> uh, write a love letter to your exes. What, Elena? What the hell? No way. Screw them. Screw her. Screw him. They're terrible people. No. <laughs> write a love letter to your exes. And this is why. Only the exes that meant something. I mean, you know, if someone you went out for three months and it just fell apart, whatever. Fizzled out or they cheated or whatever. Just, you know, whatever. I don't mean that. And I don't mean the narcissists who, um, broke your heart and strung you along and never loved you. I mean, the, the people you had a relationship with, if there are any, um, that where there was real love <clears throat> and it didn't work out for whatever reason, every ex that meant something to you at some point, write them a love letter in the way that you're complimenting the life lessons they taught you, you know, um, I don't, I won't trust anyone ever again because of you, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. Not that (coughs) I go into every relationship now with both eyes open with, without the rose colored glasses, but it has helped me to learn to see people for who they truly are, not for who I wish they were. And that's actually helped me, you know? So like something like that. So what life lessons they taught you, write those down and, and also say goodbye to them, especially if you ended something weird and, and now there, there was not really real closure and you might be holding on to that energy. This is how you're going to heal yourself. This is a part of your self love, self care, say goodbye to them in the, in the letter. And you can even state why the relationship ended. Now I wrote this, if it was your fault or theirs, 
you, you know, you could write that. So if it was your fault, <clears throat> admit what happened, even if it was painful, you remember, you're not going to ever send this letter, not to your exes. Okay. This is just for you. I mean, the letter to yourself, you keep for yourself, the letter to you love, you give to your love, the letter to your exes, you're going to fucking burn it. Okay. So don't worry, you know, until you, when you work through all these issues that you're going to write in the letter, then you're going to burn the letter. Okay. Outside, not in your house. Okay. So, uh, just admit what happened. Even if it's painful, this is going to help you work through this stuff and let go, especially when you burn it. So this is for you and your healing. It's not for them. Now, if you broke it off, don't, this is only going to hurt them if you send it. So don't send it to them. You don't want to hurt them further. But if they broke it off and they broke your heart in a bad way, they most likely don't deserve your sweet words about what you learned in the relationship and the goodbye. They don't deserve it if they were, especially if they're narcissists. But if it did end very, very badly, you could always write a sarcastic love letter at first until you're able to write a more genuine one. If you did learn lessons from that person, you know, um, but this is going to help you heal. And that's why I said, even if you're in an isolation ship, writing the perfect love letter is bound to help you in a wide variety of ways. And you can write a non-romantic, non-sexual love letters to your, to family members or friends or people who've actually touched your life. You don't have to send them if you're uncomfortable sending them, but it's going to help you have a greater appreciation for all the people around you. And it's going to help you get to a point where you can love everybody on earth regardless. You know, um, cause you start to appreciate more and more and more about people. You're going to start to appreciate all people in time. And that is a huge spiritual path back to unity. So there you have it. There you guys go. Spiritual relationships, how to write the perfect love letter. That's all she wrote for today. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for being here for uh, tuning in, listening and forwarding. And for those of you who keep mentioning me on Instagram, thank you so much. It's helping. I do see my numbers going up. We just hit 121,000 downloads since the beginning of the show. This does not, of course, include the people who have listened on um, YouTube. And I do have people listening on YouTube. Peter, hey, I know he just he just listened to my I am presence today. So I got his message. He's a good friend of mine from Chico that I knew in person. I've known him for God 20 years almost. Woo, time flies. All right. But I wanted to, uh, I just looked and it said 5757. So that might mean something to some of you. <laughs> There's more angel numbers. So thank you so much for um, your continued faith and confidence in my show, myself and my abilities. And I love each and every one of you. Thank you for writing to me. And remember, guys, please pray for Texas specifically, but also pray for the world and pray for me. And I always pray for you guys. So I'll be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. Tomorrow is the Earth Changes Report and the weekly weird world news. I cannot believe it's that time again. It just felt like two days and then bam, a whole week gone. Well, 
We're going to do it again tomorrow. (laughs) And that's it for now. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys. Peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.